Hello and welcome back to Energy Sports Premier League Season Preview. This is the second episode of four that we're bringing you this week, with episodes of both Extra Time and the Fantasy Ramble arriving later in the week as well. If you missed episode one, be sure to check it out to hear our opinions on this year's Player of the Season and who's the best looking player in the league, amongst other things. My name is Jack Donnelly and as with every episode of this week, I'm joined by the man who saw his team win the Premier League while also winning a league of his own in our personal FPL league. Graeme Sinclair, how you doing mate? Happy to be back, love spending time with you Jack. I love spending time with you Graeme, it's good, good to have you back again. Uh, next up, also returning for more after yesterday's chaos is Struan Garvey, good to have you back mate, how you doing? Yeah, I'm not bad, yourselves? Cannot complain mate, I, th- I think you would be... You would have more ground to complain after United launched their third kit this morning to some fairly negative reviews. Are you ready for the noise? Are, I mean, are you? What noise? <laughs> what noise, exactly. The, the, the quietest kit of all. Uh, finally, joining us today is another man who saw his team lift the Premier League trophy last season and was in fact so overjoyed by that, he took inspiration from Roberto Firmino and dyed his hair. Unfortunately, Firmino went for more of a subtle red colouring, while our man went along the lines of a, a slim shady-esque blonde number. Cameron Monstall, good to have you. Do not regret it one bit. Not are, at all. Are you sure? Not at all. Mm. Despite what? the fact that that picture's going to go up on the Energy Sport <laughs> no, website. Don't, don't. As soon as my hair goes back, you're getting a new photo and it's replacing it. Fair enough. Yeah, that's, I'll hold you to that. That's fine. Uh, So in our preparation for these podcasts we were assigning questions to each episode and very quickly concluded that this batch of questions could justify this episode being known as the Brexit episode of the four, an adjective we at Energy Sport have been very fond of over the last year or so. With that in mind I'll pick up where we left off in the last episode. I had asked uh, which team would be the most entertaining to watch this season, so I'll ask instead which team will be the most boring to watch this season, alternatively known as the Brexit team. Cameron I'll come to you first. Yeah, I'll go with um, Aston Villa. Aston Villa, I think they've only got three players that can excite you, and that's Douglas Louise, uh, John McGinn, Jack Grealish. Mm-hmm. And apart from that, their team's just boring, um, put it simply. And I think their backroom staff is the most Brexit backroom staff <laughs> I've ever met. You've got Dean Smith, this hard-as-nail centre-back, he just screams Brexit when you look at him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richard O'Kelly, Craig Shakespeare, both proper football men, carry two balls under the arms on the training pitch, sort of coaches. <laughs> and then the third assistant is John Terry. Yeah. John Terry. Like, you can't get more Brexit than John Terry. So, I rest my case. I think that's a, that's an easy one. It's a good argument to make. I think if Thank you... you. I'll find an assistant more Brexit than John Terry. Please do let us know. Yeah. Uh, Graham, what about yourself? Who'd you go for for this one? Uh, lot, lots to choose from in this one. Lots of teams that mm-hmm. consider boring. I think Burnley, you're usually the usual for me. Burnley have kind of like gone so far past being the Brexit team that I respect them more now. Absolutely. No, I'm with you on that. Uh, so for me, and my quest to kind of name every team, although this isn't just because of that, I went for West Ham. Good they show. Brexit team in the they have... No identity, they don't rely on young players, they don't play good football, they have a manager in David Moyes that plays dreadful football, despite having some talented players like Philippe Anderson, Lanzini, they're still relying on the players like Antonio and Suchek, who's mm-hmm. coming, they, they sold a young English boy, Grady Jangana, yeah, mm-hmm. and you saw Martin Noble going off on Twitter about one. Yeah, that did not go down well amongst players and fans alike, that one. It's just an uninspiring team that haven't got any better, really, haven't made any signings. And that's why, for me, West Ham are the Brexit team slash boring team of the year. 
I like that. I like that shout. Struan, what about yourself? Can you can you one up uh, the Tartan, Tony Pulis, and David Moyes, and give us a more Brexit team than that? I've I've gone for Crystal Palace. I think Graham's got a good point about Burnley, but it's normally the first go to. But they've kind of gone past. It. I've I've gone for Palace just on. They're a, they're a very old, boring, uninspiring team. Hopefully, the signing of Easy can improve that. But they've got the oldest manager in the league. They they've just tended to play a flat four four two. I think Zaha, who turns twenty eight this year, is their youngest average starting player, which is just pretty sad, really. I just mm-hmm. I just don't really enjoy watching their games. They they struggle to score more than two goals in any type of match, so it's just a it's just a tough watch, really. No, I'll get yeah. I mean the the the, the problem with the Premier League there are still a lot of teams that do fit that category. I think that just comes with the teams that are. They tend to yo-yo up and down, as Stuart said yesterday. Uh, for me, I, I'd mentioned I'd had Burnley down as well, but I think I'm going to go with Fulham, to be honest. Uh, they just, in, in my eyes, they're just quite insignificant, Fulham. And I, I, that probably comes across more disrespectful than it actually is. I mean, I think they, they do well, obviously, to get back up into the top flight um, just about every couple of years or so. But I just feel it's a foregone conclusion that whenever they come back up, they'll be going straight back down, no matter what they do. I mean, we saw them, that'll be two seasons ago or three now, um, spent over £100 million and still couldn't avoid the drop. So they're just uninspiring. It's it, just no real positivity. Scott Parker, proper uh, combative midfielder in his day at the helm. I think he's trying to put a more positive spin on things with Fulham nowadays, but... I don't know. For for me, for me, Fulham just scream uh, boring, and I will be watching very little of them this season. I can probably predict that already. Jack, I don't know if you want to back me up, but I'd like to contend our two fellow guestmates' suggestions today. Okay. And uh, they went for Aston Villa and Crystal Palace, entirely entitled to. But both those teams have players that are incredibly excited, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Grealish is still there at Villa. And we all love Super John McGinn. They've got Trezeguet at Villa. So we'll respect Cameron and, and understand that they have uh, lacking in other areas. They still have exciting players. And Crystal Palace, I cannot tell you how excited I am for a Brett Chiesi. Yeah, no, um, I, I, I can't wait to see him. There's I did, I did so many massive signings. Uh, there's so hmm. many signings that teams have made. And for some reason, Eze is the one that I just, I'm desperate to see in the Premier League. And Zaha is not still there. Zaha's still a star. Mm-hmm. So well, I don't know if you want to push back with me. I suppose I can push back, but I could also kind of turn it back on you and say, like you already mentioned, players like Felipe Anderson and Lanzini. They're and good. They're, 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 they're talented players and they can really turn on the, a bit of wow factor when they want to, but it's, 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 why we do, it's why we debate it rather than all trying to agree on an answer. We all put our points across and see how well they get received, so that's the beauty of something like this. I suppose, are there any... Honourable mentions for a team like this. I, I'd gone for Sheffield United personally because it is that kind of old style of football. Uh, played the most long balls in the league last year, according to stats. So, kind of screams that uh, tried and tested Route 1 football from the Premier League's inception. But any, anyone else, anyone wants to throw forward? Nah, I've got nothing else. West Brom are there, but yeah. you know, as we oh, mentioned yeah, yesterday, we're just pretending West Brom don't exist. This year, <laughs> apart from one player, apart from one player, his, his Mateus Pereira and his mates. That is, mm-hmm. that is West Brom this season. Uh, right, fantastic. That kind of wraps that question up. So, I suppose we'll move on. And something that you would associate with a Brexit team is hard as nails players committing hard as nails tackles week in week out. With that comes a greater likelihood that the referee will be reaching into his pocket to try and keep the players in line. 
Struan, who do we think will hold the title of the most carded team come the end of the season? Well, I've, I've actually gone for Man City because Interesting. quite often with Pep Guardiola you see tactical fouls here, there and very high up on the pitch. It's not always the defenders who receive the bookings, but Manchester City pick up a lot of yellow cards just casually throughout the game. Not not too often red cards, but it's just it's just that style of play. And I think if they don't sort out the defence, they will try and stop any kind of counter-attack they can in the midfield and the pitch. I could see players like Rodrigo picking up more than, probably more than 10, I think, easily. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, I think that's a team who you probably wouldn't expect, you know, the, the free-flowing football they play to really receive that many cards because they're in possession so often. But I think as soon as they lose it, it's going to be a tactical foul somewhere up on the pitch. I, I had forgotten them when I was thinking about it, to be honest, but then you saying that did remind me of the time that Pep Guardiola admitted that he doesn't te- he doesn't train his players to tackle at one yep. point when he when he was early in his Man City career, so I, I can understand why you would say uh, that City would be right up there. Cameron, what about yourself? Who have you gone for for this one? Hey, I went for another uh, fairly top team. I went for Tottenham. Um, I, think, I think they had second most last season. I think it was Arsenal that had the most. And, uh, I just think we're going to see a more nasty Tottenham team this year like mm. Mourinho's first year season in charge obviously and I just I, I want Tottenham to be just a nasty team this year and I think it will be a lot of time wasting a lot of cynical fouls extruding like attack um, tackling high up the pitch just stopping any sort of counter attacks that might come against them and I think they'll just build up lots and lots of yellow cards might break past I think it was 8 odd they had this season I think they'll get far more than that this season so yeah I've went with Tottenham purely for the purely for what Mourinho will bring to the table. I think you, you've summed that up, the mentality that Mourinho wants them to adopt in the most uh, PG way possible, because I he really, certainly put it across differently in all or nothing how he wants his players to behave. And I, I had to pod- stop myself once or <laughs> twice from, saying, <laughs> from stopping this podcast. I, I, think, I think the podcast might have got shut down if, if we <laughs> decided to go on a full Mourinho-esque rant about <laughs> the mentality that the Tottenham players should have. Uh, Graham, how, how do you feel about this one? Who do you feel is going to be well, the most combative I- team? I went for Arsenal to repeat, which I think is super interesting that three of us have went for three big teams. I think perhaps you can maybe like kind of just what, yeah. explore that a bit more. But I went for Arsenal. They were top of this table last year, and then Arteta they got manager similar to Pep, who has this tactical foul and kind of philosophy that on the break away teams it's okay to take a yellow card and stop the foul because the opposite could end up on a goal, which isn't worth the risk. I think they had five red cards last I think that's going to be tough to repeat. That was a lot of red cards. But with David, David you've got players like David Luiz, you've got some players that are kind of risky, and him and Jacka that are just going to be clumsy at times. Mm-hmm. And Jacka is a walking yellow card. Yeah, you're right. So mm-hmm. I've, I have picked Arsenal to repeat as the card champions of England. I like that. Like the card champions. That's good. It makes it seem a lot cooler than it actually is. Makes them kind of align with poker or something more than actual fouls but uh, all, all interesting I've gone against the grain of what we've said so far and I've gone for a team that we've already mentioned in the podcast already I've gone for West Ham for this one uh, I was just kind of trying to look for a few stats and West Ham are with the third had the third committed the third most tackles in the league last season with four shy of 700 at 696 and behind both Southampton and Leicester now the way I see it, if they are to go about the same way and trying to commit that level of tackles again, the difference between them and Leicester and Southampton is that Leicester and Southampton are probably better at, at, at uh, tackling and probably just better football teams as a whole. And I think West Ham just have that style of play and have those players that will be more readily available to commit 
come out fouls and pick up cards for themselves. So I'll I'll back uh, Tartan Tony Pulis once again, and I'll say that Moises West Ham will pick up the most cards in this Premier League season. I'd I'd also put an honourable mention for Palace as well. I'm I'm not sure why. I just kind of felt like if they play their kind of old guard in defence again, and players like. Um, Milivojevic. Uh, is Milivojevic still at the club? Can I just confirm that? Yeah. Yeah, he is. Players like him uh, just kind of set the precedence for their style of play. But anyone else, anyone wants to put forward for this one? Maybe see Leeds and Bielsa, kind of similar mm-hmm. system yeah. to the Arteta and Pep Guardiola, the possession based. Dirty yeah. Leeds. That's what he's called. <laughs> Dirty Leeds, are, yeah, it go. was, yeah. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I could just like circle back around then like, ask the Cameron Shun, even Jack and Jack can involved as well. Of course. Whether like why you think we went for seated like why are the big teams the one that were predicting like why would they take more yellow cards? Do you think having a kind of it's better better to take a yellow card than a goal on the counter attack? Yeah, I think that's how all the managers think of it. It is. It's the right thing to do. Like people like cynical fouls are not nice to see. It's really frustrating, but it, it it's amazing how many goals it'll save you a season, and very rarely it'll result in a second yellow. So why not? Yeah, I think it's definitely a, a fair tactic to employ. Yeah. This is maybe a strange point for me, but I think with a team like Man City, is it, is it seven yellow cards and you get the two-game ban? Or, or however I, thought, I thought it was five, then ten. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. With, with like, t- these teams at the top, you know, they can almost afford, because you know, if, if, Rodri, if Rodri does miss a game from City, they can bring in Fernandinho or mm-hmm. anyone else. That, they've yeah. got a really good replacement. But I think for the teams in the bottom, you don't want to risk, if, you know, if, if Zaha's going to pick up extras or Milivojevic or Depp, Declan Rice or somebody like this, you know, you can't afford to pick up that other yellow card. Otherwise, you know, the replacement's just simply not the same quality. I, yeah, I guess for me, I kind of like look at it more in game. Well, I think you have a good point, especially yours on the stream, that City are going to face a limited number of counter attacks in a game, and that's where they pick up the yellow cards. There is a very, a really slim chance that there's going to be two breaks from a team, and Fernandinho's going to be the one that has to bring them down twice. Mm-hmm. So he's not going to get two yellow cards. He would be less resistant to actually take the card the second time, obviously. But just that there is less chances for them to pick up yellow cards because of how much these teams dominate the ball. And so they're more willing to take the risk of holding on a yellow card. It prevents more drastic measures. Yeah, so. No, I definitely. No, it's all very good, very well made points. And I do. I was thinking along the same lines as Struan. Because if someone does pick up those bands in a top level team, um, they really do have the strength and depth to be able to say. Oh, if Kante is suspended, Jorginho can come in. And I know Jorginho is nowhere near Kante's level, but it's a player that can be replaced if uh, the situation calls for it. Um, right, we'll move on to the next uh, the next question, which uh, we're kind of keeping a more negative look on players and teams at the moment, just with uh, the Brexit teams and cards. So I'll throw in a bit of a curveball along the same lines. Now, it's no secret to anyone that the football boys here at Energy love a bit of Nando's and are under the under the general agreement that, toma- that tomato ketchup should be nowhere near your plate and under a Nando's roof. And yet people disappoint us and use the most sinful condiment anyway. So my question is which player in the Premier League would be most likely to put ketchup on their Nando's? And I will say it's a shame that Wickham play a division below, otherwise this would be an open and shut case as we have proof that Uchek Piazu does this. <laughs> Make me commits this cardinal sin. Uh, Graham, who's your pick for this? Oh, I'm kind of struggling a little bit here. There's so many candidates that could actually pick to uh, put the ketchup on their Nando's. I'm actually going to go for a manager. Okay, uh, yeah, I like that. 
Pep Guardiola is a freak. The man is a complete freak. And he's a kind of guy that will put a ketchup on his Nando's because he thinks he's going to give him a boost for the rest of the season. He's going to do it. He'd do anything to get an advantage. And if he thinks if him putting ketchup on his Nando's when no one else does gives him an advantage in life, he'll do it. He's applying ketchup to his Nando's like he's got attribute cards in FIFA. Oh my days. <laughs> You just know he puts ketchup in his Nando's. Like, oh, he sees a camera. Like, I'll put ketchup in my Nando's. So they point the camera at me. We all know how much he loves the camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a weirdo. To be fair, like you make that point, I think he would switch it up every time he goes because we know how much he likes to tinker with his lineup. Even though he switches mm-hmm. it up, he's still putting Nando's on. Like, he's ketchup at some point. I, I, I recognise the chips in like ketchup, a four-four-two or something. Ketchup on his Nando's at some point. Guardiola would be that guy that would bring his own like condiments with him. <laughs> he would he would end up like with mayonnaise or something that he just like whips at his pocket just when no one expected it. <laughs> I, I, I like that shout a lot. Uh, Struan, you told me before that you'd also gone for a manager for this. Yeah, so so I've got a bit of a different. I've I've gone for Brendan Rodgers in the sense that with 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 spice in Nando's, it's all about <laughs> what you can take. You know, some people you can go to medium. Recently graduated to a medium. To hot, I I graduated to hot quite recently. Actually, it was about six months ago. But anyway, wow, I'm proud. So you you talk about you know can you handle the heat and in very in a very similar sense can you handle the pressure and a manager who certainly doesn't handle pressure as we've seen in the Premier League has been Brendan Rodgers after bottling the Champions League last season with Leicester and a, a bottle with Liverpool as well and I just think it's just. It's just what it would be. It's not quite the super, you know, the best. Nobody's going to look and think, oh, you know, he's he's gone for the best sauce or whatever. It's just it's just there. It's just just with ketchup. I don't I don't know if you could handle it. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. I like the, the pressure. You you spun that quite well. I'm, I'm a big fan of that explanation. Cameron, what about yourself? Who who are you backing See, for I've, this one? I've lost down here because that was two really good bits of analysis, like the <laughs> bottling and the freak. Whereas I just I just thought of which players I think I would walk into a Nando's and see having ketchup on their meals. I just yeah, I've done it by look. Yeah, yeah, and sure, I'm really going to disappoint you, Jack. I'm really sorry, but Christian Pulisic, I just have a feeling nah. American. He'd walk in and he's sitting there with like two tubs of ketchup just pouring on his chips, and I, <laughs> I just think I did have a few others. I thought maybe Tom Davies at Everton, that guy. Mm-hmm. I just think he was as well something about him but yeah I've just went on gut feeling and I think if I walked in and Christian Pulisic was sitting in Nando's at I don't know Fort Canard right he'll have ketchup <laughs> on his Nando's simple as that I think if you walked in and you saw Christian Pulisic at the Nando's in Fort <laughs> Canard and you didn't tell me that he was there I would be very unhappy with you <laughs> oh, but would you want to see him if he was having ketchup yeah exactly I would wait outside until he left and then if I didn't see it it didn't happen <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'd, I'd argue it. I'd, I'd argue that Pulisic probably knows how to. Uh, ha- look, he's, he's got sleeve tattoos. Obviously, knows he knows the pro- protocol in Nando's. He's, what a he's piece of spice. Spicy. <laughs> <laughs> I've got. I've gone for someone who I've. I've gone. A very similar to what uh, Cameron's done, and just he looks like he would fit the bill. And I've gone for Johnny Evans. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you can just imagine, he, he's he's a very careful man Johnny Evans um, a lot of times last season we um, kind of put him alongside uh, Chagla Soyuncu as the more composed and careful and a defender that cleans up after Soyuncu has just gone flying in recklessly so I think so, Soyuncu strikes me as a guy that can handle a medium but would go in and get extra hot just to prove himself 
<laughs> Johnny Evans just be sitting there with a lemon and herb with some ketchup, knowing yeah. that that's his benchmark. He's definitely he's got like a napkin on his lap. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Evans, yeah. <laughs> and he 100%. he uses the cutlery on a the rag. He, he doesn't use his hands. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't use his hands whatsoever. He's stabbing every individual plain chip with his fork, dipping it into the ketchup. <laughs> I, that that's just my interpretation. I think Johnny Evans because of the careful nature uh-huh. of him. That's a better show. I always admit right now, that's a much better show than Pulisic. Would, would uh, show, be likely to put ketchup in this. I'd also put down Ben Davies, and I'm really not sure why. Mm. Just there, there's a second shout there. I feel like Ben Davies would kind of be the same thing. I think he would be a shame, shame eater in terms of ketchup. I think he would have have tried it without and tried the Perry chips before, but has to resort to playing with ketchup because he, he's been put back in his place by someone else. Is there, a, is there a case for James Milner, who tends to be quite plain with Ribena and cups of tea and stuff like that? I, I, that? I mean, of course there's a case, but I think that was potentially the most obvious answer. And I think yeah, I think that, that's the, just coming to me. Boring, right Mil- boring Milner has been done to death, and I didn't I, want to bring him up again. I just don't think Milner's much of an Andos person. I think he's more of a recovery man myself. Yeah, yeah very true. Yeah. Oh, no, no I, th- I think Milner likes an Indian. I-, I think he would take an Indian over an Andos any day of the week. I do- and don't ask me why, because I've really not got an explanation for why I think that. <laughs> There's no explanations to anything in this question apart from something me and Shrew and find one. But yeah, no, I'll give you that. He's yeah. done really well to find one. No, I'll give you. You've, you've gone above and beyond with this question, which was you managed to bring analytical conversation to a stupid question and, and I respect <laughs> you both for it massively Cameron up your game uh, <laughs> uh, right uh, we'll move on and while we're putting these kind of old school teams under the magnifying glass we do need to be fair at some point and realise that one of the reasons that these teams are so stubborn at the back is usually down to the fact they've got a pretty decent goalkeeper in between the sticks and it's one of the reasons that I don't think Chelsea will do any better than third is because they've not replaced the absolute cretin that they have in goal uh, while teams like Liverpool, City and United all have top quality keepers on their books. So my question is, who do we think wins a Golden Glove this season? Cameron, I'll start with you. What's your thoughts? I can't believe you've just said up your game and I've put Alisson. I'm sorry to do it, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I did have I had Martin Dubravka down as well. I thought, yeah, we'll go mm-hmm. left wing with this one. But no, sorry, Alisson, even if Liverpool's defence is a bit shaky this year, if they can just go one season without any major injuries at the back, even just one maybe, we're not losing Gomez, not losing Matt, and not losing Robertson, I think we'll do just almost as well as did last season defensively. And Alisson's a key part of that. Remember, and he's not going to be injured this season either. Mm-hmm. missed about nine games and still, I think. Yeah. I don't know where he came in the, in the Golden Glove, but he was pretty damn close. Um, yeah, I'm sticking with Alison. Boring answer, I know, but that's that's how I feel. I love how you were talking about injuries to Liverpool's defence and not once mentioned Virgil van Dijk. <laughs> he went Martin Gomez and Robertson. I didn't even mention Trent. Or yeah, Virgil. no, because no, but Virgil van Dijk hasn't been injured, whereas Matip, Gomez and um, Robertson all missed like, big chunks of the season last season. Fair enough. Unless I've totally missed uh, like, a leg break van Dijk had. In that case, I'm very <laughs> he's sorry. Playing, he's playing with one and a half ankles. He just missed, <laughs> exactly. missed half of one. He, um, could. he probably could to be fair he's not much of a warrior Graham what about yourself what do you feel for this one I was almost tempted to go full anarchy and go for Kepa just for a laugh <laughs> but, uh, I would have ended this podcast right now if you'd said uh, that Edison is probably the most likely person I don't want to go for Edison that's boring I'll go for Amy Martinez at Arsenal well that's very interesting I mean we, I am worried about them I'm big enough Arsenal this season even though spoiler alert they might not be in my top four Mm-hmm. But Martinez was outstanding when he came in 
for Agreed. Lionel last season. So much so that mm-hmm. I'd be surprised if Lionel gets his place back without, like, without being on merit. It had to be an injury that would get Lionel back in goals. I think Arsenal's defensive moves were fantastic in the window. They've got a full season of Tierney. I think David Luiz in a three is actually an enjoyable centre-back to watch, and he's good, he's a good at passer. And I think our young players in Saliba and Gabriel are going to be stars. So, but you need a, to, be, to win the Golden Glove, you need a strong defence. Arsenal have that, and they have a keeper that I think is so passionate about the club that he will win the Golden Glove. I like that. I do. I do like that, and I think I think he does deserve that extended run in the team, even if it is at Lionel's expense, because he did prove himself massively. Um, I mean, you think of the FA Cup semi final, how good he was. So, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think that that's a very good shout, Struan, What about yourself? Who who are you backing to get the Golden I, I, Glove this year? I think has been mentioned. I think Alison and Ederson are probably the two favourite shouts. And I, and I was going to go very, just very left field and say Matt Ryan after Graham pointed out yesterday how good the Brighton defence is, and I think it could be compact. But I'm going to actually go with Hugo Lloris because I think under Jose Mourinho this season there's going to be a lot of one nil wins. I think he's going to it's going to be a very grindy season for them. They've improved the defence as well, bringing in Matt Doherty, and I think they're also going to add a left back and potentially a centre half. So I think. I think Tottenham could be one of those teams bringing in Hoybier as well to sit in front of the defence. I think will help massively. I don't think it'll be Joe Hart, but I do think it'll be Hugo Lloris could win that Golden Glove. Jose style. Jose style. Jose, Jose. Because he's not Argentinian, as he pointed Mm -hmm. out. He's Portuguese. (laughs) (laughs) After after over a decade in the league, we've just now realised he has Portuguese. There we go. Thanks for the clarification. Uh, You've all all gone for big teams again. I've opted for... I I have opted for a left-wing option here. I did put kind of Allison down again. Like, just I feel like it would be one of him or Ederson potentially. Pope as well is probably high in my estimation, although he's probably not going to be as convincing with Burnley this season. I don't see Burnley doing as well. But the man, the man I've gone for is well, it's not really one man; it's three, which sounds odd, but it's whichever keeper that Southampton start. I think Southampton have recruited very well defensively. They've brought uh, Kyle Walker-Peters in permanently. Uh, Salisu, like we said yesterday, Struan, is a fantastic signing. And I think they just looked really, really good towards the end of the season. Project Restart was... Probably, they were probably the most entertaining team to watch. So, And they won a lot of games. So I, I feel like whether it is McCarthy, Gunn, or the returning Fraser Forster that gets the nod and goal, I, I think they could really stand out this season and potentially push... The, the kind of top keepers like Alton and Ederson all the way and hopefully pip them to the award come the end of the season. So we'll move on from that one. Oh, well, sorry, I'll check if there were any any other keepers that anyone wanted to mention in with a shout before we moved on. Uh, like I said, maybe Debravka, but that's all I had done. I think he's he's still injured, isn't he not? I think he's maybe, not starting yeah. the season. I think you're right, yeah. I think Carl Darlow's probably going to be playing the first couple of games for Newcastle at least, which... Well, my next shirt's buckered then. <laughs> doesn't bode well. <laughs> I, I guess Rui Patricio, maybe at Wolves, is another kind of option, just depending on how they mm-hmm. recruit yeah. defensively. I mean, one 31-year-old defender and m- maybe not... Potentially as... Diogo Darlow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good luck, Wolves. Anyway, um, well, we've spent a lot of time talking about the players in these first two episodes... What about their managers? Which manager are we backing to take home Manager of the Year award? Struan, are we expecting the league winning Gaffer to take it home or are we expecting a Chris Wilder-esque figure to take us all by surprise? 
I think, again, with the goalkeeper, you kind of look at the Man City and Liverpool, Guardiola, Klopp, just as probably the obvious two candidates. But I've gone for Marcelo Bielsa because I think I think if he can get that style working well in the Premier League and have a good season with Leeds, and I think anywhere in the top half of the table is a fantastic season for Leeds. I think they've recruited really well, and I think it'll be a very entertaining team at times to watch. So I think if he can do that in a similar way that Wilder would, I'd love to say Wilder for this award because I think I, Klopp deserved it last season, but I think Wilder deserved the mention for everything he did. I, I just can't see Sheffield doing it again. So I'd love to see Bielsa because I said yesterday, I think Leeds United would be my Sheffield United for this new season. Mm-hmm, yeah. I think they'll take a lot of teams by surprise. And I hope Bielsa, you know, his first season in the Premier League, everything, so many managers like Simeone, Pochettino, Guardiola have all spoken so highly. It'd be so great to see him do well in the Premier League and I think there would be a bit of a feel-good factor to him you know I'll just give him the manager of the year award type situation very good show no I, th- I think you would you would always kind of interpret the, the manager who does the best with the kind of lesser team outside the top six would always be in with a shout I do agree with that Graham what about you who have you gone for for this one yeah, I'm going down to the south coast and I've actually was picking between the two managers of Southampton and Brighton but I've actually I'm going to go for Ralph Hasenhutl I think that this award doesn't go a lot to the big clubs. It has to take something spectacular for the big managers to actually get it. Uh, I thought about Arteta, who's a, somehow I'm on the Arsenal bandwagon big time this season. <laughs> but ultimately, I went for Hazard Hutto. I predicted that Southampton could be very, very close to the Europa spots and that if they do, from where they were last season and <clears throat> the 9-0, of course that's the kind of turnaround that wins managers' awards. Because this, this yeah. all, all these awards are narrative-heavy, but manager of the year's past, perhaps the most narrative-heavy of all of them. I think Hazen Hitler, since he came in, done a good job, other than the six months of last season, or the first six months mm. of last season. He has an interesting style with how, with how hard Southampton press teams. They have some excellent players, but it's the manager that puts that all together. And... I think Hasenhutl at Southampton is getting the most out of the least. You know, you've saved me an explanation because I've gone for Hasenhutl as well. It's, it's a similar mind there. I, I do believe he... I, I, I'm quite high on Southampton this season. I think they're they're going to break into the top 10 and have a very good season, potentially get I mean, maybe a wee cut run going. That would be nice to see. But yeah, I, I, I'm under the same impression. I think he has done a fantastic job with what he has. And his turn around, his team's turnaround since that uh, infamous night back in November, I believe no it was. Score? What was it? What was the score? It's, we we never mentioned the nine nil enough, do we? Nine nil against Leicester, loss. <laughs> it, it was that, and they ended up with more points since then than Leicester did, or accumulated more points since that day than Leicester did. So, we we know who's been the better manager in that situation, but. I can I can see them with a full with a full season of that mentality. I think it's going to be fantastic. And there was there was a time last season when if we were predicting Southampton games when we do on Twitter, it was if they're doing well, it's Ward Prowse or it's Ings, and they've managed to extend that way. They've got they've actually improved enough players or has mm-hmm. that you could pick Armstrong, you could pick Redmond, you could pick Walker Peters. It, that, that that speaks that, volumes. That is very much the two Hasenhutl's credit. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you there. Uh, Cameron, what about yourself? Who have you gone for in this well, one? I've went from very boring to <laughs> really, really left-wing. Um, I, I'm not, I don't think he's actually going to manage you. I think he's probably right-wing. I think Steve Bruce of Newcastle, <laughs> right? I'll, I'll, I'll try and give an explanation here. Mm-hmm. Right? I think 
maybe a decent cup run. They've made some good sign-ins without selling anyone major. So they've got the same team as last year that finished 13th. They've brought in the partnership of Callum Wilson and Brian Fraser. I think they brought in Jeff Hendricks as well. If they bring in maybe a defender, that's what this is counting on really. Maybe another defender, any position at the back. But I think despite all the pressure on them from the fans, all the takeover nonsense, I still think he can maybe get a top 10 or top 12 finish next season. They finished 13th last season. I don't see Burnley doing as well. I see Sheffield United dropping away. I see maybe one of Leicester Wolves dropping away. Yeah. I don't see anyone else beneath Newcastle that's going to fly high. Um, even like Leeds coming up, maybe if they have a good year. But I don't see Palace, Brighton, West Ham or Villa doing anything. So, yeah, I think Steve Bruce can get a top 10 finish and maybe a cup run. Because, as we know, Newcastle famously trophyless for God knows how long. Um, I think he would be a real major year candidate if he can keep keep it up in Newcastle. I like it. I like I like the sound. I think I, I'm under the impression that Newcastle are gonna have a bit of a better season this year as well. Yeah. And I just love Brucey. I, I think I think he's <laughs> I think he's just a lo- lo- lovely big guy. And he he deserves he deserves some credit for showing up Newcastle at points because he looked yeah. very solid at points and I think so. last season and especially with the, like they're talking about bringing in uh, Jamal Lewis who I believe uh, withdrew from the Northern Ireland squad before their game yesterday to complete his move. So I, th- I think I think I did. See, I saw reports that. Yeah, it was five one. Maybe that was all Lewis. Uh, just the absence of Jamal Lewis. That's what it does. Uh, so that that how yeah nothing about him nothing about him no it was all the transfer Lewis. business in Newcastle has been fantastic with Fraser and Hendricks both on freeze and then bringing in Cam Wilson and likely Jamal Lewis. Yeah, and they've still got St. Maxman and Almiron, two players who haven't even hit their heights yet. They have not. That, that counter attack so. is going to be absolutely yeah. incredible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely lethal. Yeah, absolutely. I guess it, my drawback with Newcastle is I thought they were way worse in the position in the results last year. I thought they got away with they, got, they just seemed to get a lot of luck and get a lot of lucky wins. I yeah. think they'll be in a summer position to the to what they were last season, but they will be much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I say they, they can win big games. They beat City, mm-hmm. United. Um, I wrote a bit of an article for them. Chelsea. They beat a few. Top Chelsea, yeah. They beat a few. Well I, was, I was at that game. I was not happy. We've seen you. Yeah, we did. I saw we did. I forgot about that. When, uh, did the Neil Warnock? The wheel, Neil Warnock, yeah. hands in the head. Funnily enough, that was against Chelsea as well. It's, it's all connected, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Planned this in advance. <laughs> uh, oh, that's good, that's good. Uh, we'll, flip, we'll flip the question on its head. Now, as I'm keen to find out who we all think will be the first manager to be sacked. Unfortunately, Watford get relegated last season, so their manager isn't even in the question. Otherwise, he, he would be the nailed on answer because Watford changed managers like they change clothes every day. Honestly, it's a regular occurrence at Vicarage Road. Graham, who's your first at the job centre this season? Uh, I am going to go with Brendan Rodgers. I like that. Okay. Who... I have I said from like the second Leicester bad run started, get rid of him. Even though they were still sitting third, Rogers and these other jobs has been found out. And when he gets found out, he has no plan B. It happened at Liverpool. They were twenty fourteen. They were unbelievable. They got found out, and it was never the same. He got away with it at Celtic because his squad was so much better. But that team absolutely regressed from the start. And we saw the Leicester team do it quicker than ever. Didn't even take a full season before. His team are being found out. They're so reliant on individual players to do the job up top. Vardy, Madison, Telemans, and none of them really performed. 
in the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. I don't have much faith in Leicester to get much better than they were. I think that is more what Leicester were, were in the second half of the season. That's more their what their actual position is. I think the Leicester board might think otherwise that they deserve more. And that conflict of interest is going to lead to Brendan Rodgers losing his job. I did have him down in my in my three because I've, I've tried to kind of make sure that I've got at least a couple of names down for each question so I don't overlap with someone and he was one of the three that I've picked. I'm uh, so negative on him. I just watching Leicester as well. I know they lost a lot of players. Maybe getting players back is going to be helpful, but yeah. it's just they were a lost cause at times. Yeah, they really were. Team they played. I mean, there were eleven players last year, and nothing really else. That 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 was the, that seems to be the philosophy of Leicester ever since their title win. They really do keep a small squad without much rotation, which they've just lost Chilwell now. Yeah, and they've brought in Timothy Castagna, I believe, from was Atalanta. it Italy? Yeah, Atalanta, and I've not really seen much of him at all, so I don't know how he. I, mean, I think Atalanta I... primarily play three at the back. I think. I think I think that's actually quite there's quite a few people have spoken about like quite a good sign that is because it will he can play kind of everywhere up and down the left side which will suit Rogers' attempt suit at changing the system. Also depth, yeah. Oh, I yeah don't have a left back unless you're going to trust Justin James or James Justin. There's talk James of Justin. <laughs> Tagliafico from um, Ajax as well, but I don't know if anything's really happening with that. Uh, he was like the Chelsea, I remember, at the start of the window. So who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? But I do like that shout. I just think. Rogers will get found out again this season, and Leicester will just pull the plug and try and get someone who can advance the project that they're trying to build. Uh, Struan, what about yourself? Who do you see uh, being first out there, out, there, out of a job this season? Well, I, I had two written down. One of them was Rogers as well, but um, <laughs> I'll flip over and go to the other one. That's probably the obvious candidate in David Moyes at West Ham. I think there's a lot of disruption at that club, especially with Sean Diangana. Mm-hmm. pronounced to West Brom. I think there's going to be a few fallouts here and there all over the club as well, especially given how much money has been put into that team recently. I mean, they sacked Manuel Pellegrini, who won the Premier League recently. I don't think they're... And I don't think they've shown to Moyes in the past, even when he's done well, they've sacked him to do something bigger and better. And I think if they lose somebody like Declan Rice has been tipped to leave, and I think they'll struggle massively. And I think David Moyes will probably just be sacked again because I, I I think one of the problems with this West Ham team is un, under Moyes I don't think they can really do much mm-hmm. more than they currently are I don't think he can really take them anywhere apart from staying in the league I don't think he can really advance that team anymore which I, I, I guess could maybe apply to Brendan Rodgers in the sense that fifth place for Leicester is still a really good finish yeah and I don't know if anybody else would take over that and do any better but I think I think sometimes you just have to change up the manager rather than just staying still and I think under David Moyes, I don't think West Ham will go up and I don't think they'll go down. I think they'll just pretty much sit 15th, 16th on the table. Ah, uh, yeah. That, you know, just David Moyes, he just, it just depresses me talking about him. Honestly, because he came through as the chosen one and everything off Ferguson and it's just been at the most downward of downward slopes that you could have possibly Signed Maran Fellaini over Thiago Alcantara in 2013. Oh, so I don't think you need to say anything. Could be my club. <laughs> Him being West Ham manager seems so counterproductive to all the speech that comes out of West Ham about how they want to be perceived as a club. This fast attacking, massive club. And they appoint a manager like Moyes is just like, let's just pump 300 crosses into the box a game. <laughs> and then just sit back and defend against the big teams. It's, it's sad. It's, it's not a combination that works out at all. And I think West Ham 
probably should really be going about their business and trying to find something to replace them as soon as they can. Uh, Cameron, try. I mean, it's not really a happy conversation considering we're talking about people losing their jobs, but give, give us someone better to talk about than David Moyes. Well, I had two choices were Brendan Rodgers and David Moyes, so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what, I've got no notes for him, but um, I'll go a wee bit left field. I'll go with Sean Dyche. Um, he Ooh, was a interesting. Down. Purely, purely because of all the backroom drama going on at Burnley just now so they've had a lot of issues with contracts I know he's sort of not maybe fallen out but he's had a lot of disagreements with the club behind the mm-hmm. scenes and um, they, had, they had a decent season last season they've always the last few years have done really steady like top 10 sort of finish um, I just think if they really if they fall away catastrophically which I, as much as we have to like, slag them off it, they kind of feel like they belong now uh, yeah no go. they've assured if themselves they really if they really felt the bottom of the pack, then yeah, cause if that happened, maybe three games in, three losses, I could see him going. Whether he walks or gets sacked, you know, I could see him going. I would hate to but, see it because uh, I do like Sean Dyche. I think he's a good manager yeah. and he's done really well with Burnley over the years. But I suppose he was in my mind when I was thinking of who to put down for this. But yeah, yeah. it's uh, all right. Then Moise is sacked a week later. He'll take over a <laughs> Yeah, no probably be a better fit. I guess we're kind of uncertainty with Southgate as well. Sean Dyche is probably one of the leading candidates for the England job. I was about to suggest it, yeah. Could could yeah. play on his mind if they do sack Southgate or something for some reason. I think Sean Dyche is probably going to be one of the number one to take over. Well, I mean, it was Eddie Howe until he had a disaster class and get relegated last year. So mm-hmm. I, I would back, back Dyche over Howe at the moment anyway. Um, I'll, I don't know which one to give here. I'll, I'll, explain, I'll explain why I had both. Uh, I had Slavin Bilic down. Uh, just because I felt like it was a fairly safe shout. I mean, West Brom, as we've mentioned today and yesterday, are just fairly insignificant. I'm really not bothered about West Brom in the slightest. They've got one exciting player. Well, I suppose two now because they brought uh, Ngana back. Or Ngana, sorry. And I think he's probably a fairly decent option for them, attacking-wise. But I just don't see them producing any quality. And I think it's just going to be a fairly comfortable win for a team that plays them and Bilic will probably feel the repercussions of that and lose his job but the other one it, it might sound odd coming, it might sound a bit odd coming from me but it all all depends on the start of the season yes, yeah. Mr Frank Lampard yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was going to say I'm going to upset you no 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 it, it, well it wouldn't have upset me because I, I was thinking along um, the same lines there's a question that we'll probably get onto later in another episode but Genuinely, the pressure is massive for Lampard to produce now. Um, the amount of signings he's made, he's made six, six first team and one uh, youth team signing, and he's all kind of aiming for two more in a goalkeeper. And Declan Rice, as mentioned, I think he's number two on the on the uh, to do list at the moment. If Lampard really doesn't produce anything better than uh, what he did last year and close the gap between the the top clubs and is languishing within the first few weeks I can see him gone which is a shame because it really seems as though the board and the club are supporting him through this and are putting their faith in him which seems to seem to have been the case by getting just about everyone that he's asked for in the transfer window but I, ju- I just see it going very badly and it would it would be a real shame because I think him getting sacked would potentially sour the relationship he has with the with the fans of the club which no one wants because of how important how legendary he was as a player but that that's my take on it I don't want it to happen because I love the man but I wouldn't be I, it, w- it wouldn't really shock me if it did happen under Chelsea are quite trigger happy I was going to say mm. a club like Chelsea I think it, it could be more likely 
than, than their manager out there as well. No, but agreed. Chelsea would be targeting Allegri, Poch. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm quite interested. Nobody's actually. I was expecting somebody to say Solskjaer. I like. I think Solskjaer did a good job last year. I. I'm. I'm quite happy that that he wasn't mentioned there because when that question was asked, I was just thinking. I was like, I think quite a few people like. If you go to your top six managers, I think him and Lampard are probably the two most at, at risk. But so so so's like, probably got like a fairly assured team now. That's the thing because Bruno came in and basically changed the fortunes completely. So yeah, and top, the top six stuff for Solskjaer last season, like, is massive. He's mm-hmm. so good at, in big games against the big six. It's planning tactically. Yeah, I think he, he outwitted he just so about much, everyone, didn't he? He has so much like credit to cash in. There's there's an interesting point. I don't I don't want to keep praising Solskjaer here. I, I won't. I'll move on quickly. But there's an interesting point that uh, of course I do. Uh, Hugo Lloris had said in the French team that when Martial had gotten his call up back, he, he was like a different man to the Martial under Mourinho that kind of came in and out of the um, the French team. And I think that's just true for a lot of players have improved on a on a personal basis under him. Well, there we go. That that is that is our takes on who's going to be ending up working. Uh, for somebody other than their own club come the end of the season or the first to be out the door rather uh, right it was kind of alluded to in a wee bit of other questions but with most teams other uh, managers have a fairly large say in any new additions to the squad as all for nothing has shown us Spurs didn't hit the heights under the first spell with Jose Mourinho as the squad wasn't full of Mourinho players spoiler alert apologies uh, but if you've not seen it what are you doing uh, there have been a fair number of new additions to Premier League thus far, but I'm interested to find out who you boys feel has been the best value for money transfer so far. Cameron, I'll come to you first for this one. Who's been the biggest bargain? Um, there was a few, but I went for sort of a mess up the pronunciation, but Eberichi Easy is that how you pronounce it? Uh, yep, that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I think he's quite a lot of candidate. Only twenty million, possibly. It starts off at sixteen. Uh, a reported selling fee, which isn't always great, but. Yeah, he's got huge potential. He's only twenty-two. Um, he's, he seems like he can play sort of anywhere in the forward line, mainly attacking mid. And um, from what I've seen of him, it looks like just it just carries the ball. He just like he just sort of glides past people. Seems like he has an eye for goal as well, and the, the potential he has as a homegrown player as well. The money mm-hmm. you could get from that's absolutely massive. And um, I think that's something maybe Palace needed. We've we've talked already about how. I'm just boring a team Palace are, but with him and Wolf Zaha, should he stay? Um, maybe another addition, they could actually maybe be a fairly, fairly exciting attacking team. Um, I think it'll always be a boring defensive one, but yeah, I think for £16 million for now, that's a huge, for value for money, that's an incredible sign. I, I think you've you've tickled Graham's happy spot there. That's uh... <laughs> Honestly, Jack, I'm not, I'm, I've seen the guy play, I think, once or twice. He wasn't even that outstanding. But just like kind of like this Twitter circles on him, people that I follow, that I trust and respect their about football opinion, just raving about this boy. Mm-hmm. Like just see, I've, played, I've seen him play twice. I think granted, one was just a friendly the other day, but I thought he looked, I thought he just looked incredible. Like yeah. he, he has the physicality, but he also has the mental. That's the thing. You, sometimes you only get one or the other, but he seems to have both. And I'd and, say fourteen goals. He played every championship game last season, which is just. Uh, uh, incredible that not many people play 38 Premier League games he's played 46 a, Championship I think there's a likeness to me because I, I'm not saying I'm not exactly the same quality of player he reminds me a lot of Joe Rebo at Rangers this mm-hmm. guy is just, mm-hmm. he's, he's like technique superb but he's got the physical attributes just kind of putting it all together and if they can put it all together there's a star player in there yeah. 
it's, a, I, like, I it's more it. mm-hmm. the value for money as well it's more because they can get so much value from in the future as well like yeah. it could be an incredible he, he feels like a player yeah. that's going to be going to it's like, this is a stepping stone for him mm. yeah yeah exactly uh, Graham so is, is he your uh, our best value for money transfer or is there someone else you um, have in mind he was, on, he was on my list I had a few, a few I've actually gone with a very recent say and I went with uh, Ryan Fraser at Newcastle very nice Uh I think Newcastle have the potential to actually play a bit better going forward, especially in the counter attack. I think mm-hmm. somebody alluded to with St. Max, Kit Wilson, and Fraser. I, th- I think people have severed on Ryan Fraser a lot because of his performance last year mm-hmm. at Bournemouth. But that, I think that's pretty clear that the he whole season was distracted. Yeah. He didn't mm-hmm. want to be there. He was content to let his, let his contract run down and just not screw up his future plans. But I think it's important to know this is a player that's in primary career. He's only twenty six years old, and in eighteen nineteen, he had the most assists in the Premier League. He did, and I think you can say, oh, he had because of who he played with. Well, that player's with him too in Callum Wilson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, he's not. There's a couple of other free transfers that uh, are on this list that are there, but Wilson is oh, Wilson. Sorry, Fraser is younger. He's going to be in less wages, and I think he can improve the position at Newcastle more than maybe the people that other people have improved in their teams that they've signed for. I think Newcastle confirmed it yet uh, when he was signed. Most assists in the Premier League over the last two seasons. He's joint fourth with David Silva and Mo Salah, and only behind De Bruyne, Robertson, and Alexander Arnold. So he's an elite company, and if he's able to supply those um, assi- supply those assists to Back to Callum Wilson, as he had done at Bournemouth in years prior, Newcastle could look really, really good this season. Uh, Struan, what about yourself? Who have you gone for here? Um, am I allowed to cheat with this question? If not, I do have another answer who's confirmed. You can cheat, but it depends on how you cheat. Well, my cheating answer is Thiago going to Liverpool, which seems it seems quite likely. It's not nailed on or anything, but... Am I allowed to, or should I go to my other one? Well, you can go for it if you want. I just tell you as a Liverpool fan that I am less and less confident of having every day. Mm. I don't know about Cameron as well. All right, I'll, I'll swap up so I don't waste my time talking about <laughs> somebody else. I've I've gone from Matt Doherty to Tottenham, and I've looked at this from a from a financial point of view. I think right back for Tottenham has been kind of a strong point in recent years with Kyle Walker, Trippier to an extent. I, I don't think it's the same under Serge Ari. I just don't think he's a Mourinho player I think he's I just don't think he's working in the system well they've sold Kyle Walker Peters as well who I think is a very good player but for Matt Doherty I think I think he's one of the most underrated fullbacks in the league for Wolves he's got goals he's got assists I mean he, he did play as a more of a wing back to be fair so more advanced than others but he's lethal from set pieces both defensively and offensively I believe he came in at around 18 million Something around, like that, around yeah. 14 to 18 yeah. million and it's just thinking of Premier League to Premier League fullback transfers in recent years. I mean, Ben Chilwell, fifty million, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, fifty million, Kyle Walker, fifty million. You know, massive amounts of money. And this this is a guy who's arguably as talented as all of them, but he just doesn't seem to have that quote unquote English tax. But I think forty million. He's only twenty eight as well. You know, is is prime of his career, and I think he'll help a lot defensively and offensively in the Mourinho style. And I, I said earlier on about why I think Lloris might win the Golden Glove. I think that's a really strong defence. I just think it's a very smart signing. I'm interested to see how he gets used because it depends on Mourinho's def- uh, defence to see how he gets used. Um, obviously, he was playing as a wing-back for uh, Wolves and that really got the best out of him in his attacking uh, abilities. But if Mourinho goes back to playing a back four, which I feel like he might have to do because uh, Vertonghen's left and there hasn't been any new additions as a centre-back. So 
I could, I could see him playing more of a back four, and I'm not sure how Doherty would do in a back four situation. I think he would still he would still play well, but I'm not sure if it would it would necessarily get the best out of him. But I suppose we'll need to wait and see what Mourinho does because we know what he's like and likes to change his plans at the last minute. Um, for me, for this one, I, I, I had three down. Uh, I do agree. I believe Callum Wilson's probably the best on the list of the three that I've got. Um, £20 million for a striker that's Premier League proven and really a, de- a decent uh, kind of time in his career. He's 28 now, I believe. And he's still got good years ahead of him, and I think especially considering they paid forty million for Joe Linton, who managed two or three Premier League goals. Two, I think, yeah. Um, compared to what Cal Wilson did, even at a relegated team, um, I think it's night and day the difference. And I think he will start alongside Fraser and one of Almiron or St. Max, and it will be a fantastic addition up front. I'd let I'd let my own allegiances uh kind of come into my decision. I'd said Thiago Silva on a free, just and I know um he's on the old he's on the older side of his uh of the, of the uh career, but he just brings um security and real leadership and quality to a Chelsea backline that really lacked it at points last season, and it's not gonna obviously it's not a long term solution to the problem, but that's why. Players like Malang Sar and Ethan Ampadu have gone out on loan to allow for them to develop and be able to take his place once he does depart. And I know it kind of throws the question of Tomori up in the air, but I, I I would like to think that Tomori would be sticking around to learn from him rather than go out and try and uh, get his trade elsewhere. But I'd, I'd also put James Rodriguez down £22 million for the start of the 2014 World Cup. Hopefully Ancelotti can get the best out of him as he had done in kind of the last two clubs he worked with him at. Uh, Bayern, I thought he was a decent player under Ancelotti and kind of faded slightly, but I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for James Rodriguez because I really do like him as a player and I think he does have real quality about him. So hopefully he can bring that quality to Everton. And it's an instant upgrade on their attacking midfielder anyway, so hopefully we see the best of James Rodriguez again. Uh, we'll move on from the kind of more serious, and we'll get um, talking about the more the more comical questions once again. So, when a new signing gets announced, fan bases tend to celebrate. Some may celebrate online, making bold predictions of how their new striker will win the golden boot, while others may quietly go about their joyful state, ordering the new season shirt with all the additional costs of uh, Premiership badges, Champions League badges, and all the like. Uh, I know Struan's spent about four hundred pounds on Man United gear over the past couple of weeks, but. Well, that's just his decision to make. Um, still won't sign Sancho. <laughs> still, he, he's bought three S- Sancho shirts and he's going to have to send them all back. Uh, as for me, I enjoy celebrating a new addition to my team by having a drink in their honour. So with that in mind, which player do we reckon would be the best to have a pint with? Graham, what are your thoughts on this? Oh, you come with all the joke ones you come at me first with and I don't have the right answer for you yet. <laughs> <laughs> do you want me to go someone else in? Yeah, come back to the gym. I will do. Struan, I, I, as, I, as I took the mic out of you there, I feel like you can batter it back with a very good answer here. Oh, well, I don't know if we'll get that. I've, I've not really <laughs> gone too comical with this one. I've gone for I've gone for Marcus Rashford because I think everything he's done for children around the UK, the least I could do is buy him a pint. And <laughs> Yeah, I'll give you that, yeah. The fact he's also a Man United player, I was, I was going to say Scott McTominay at first, but the fact, you know, he's played with players <laughs> like Rooney, Ibrahimovic, you know, he's played under Louis van Gaal, Jose Mourinho, we probably had some words from Ferguson, I'd love to just hear about what all those different managers are like, what Solskjaer's like in comparison to them, and just, 
Yeah, I think I think it should be a really nice down to earth guy. He's pretty young as well. I think you'd have, mm-hmm. I think you'd have the young partner as they say. So I think <laughs> <laughs> I could share a pint with you. I think I'd go with Marcus Rashford. <laughs> Just get the young part. Do you like the PlayStation? You're, a, you're an old, <laughs> you're, you're an old soul at heart, aren't you, Strun? You just need, need that people to keep you young. Um, I'm the youngest one here. Yeah, the youngest one here. Cameron, what about yourself? Who, who would you get a couple of things uh, I, I struggle. I don't know. I just sort of went with someone I think might be funny, and I've went by videos I've seen online. I thought Robert Snodgrass might be a bit of a laugh. He's still at West Ham. <laughs> Yeah, I think you watch those um, Scotland FIFA videos. They play ah, against each other a hundred times better than watching actual Scotland play. So oh, you watch them, and um, aye, he seems like a good laugh. Aye, it's simple as that. I did, I did actually have someone really boring put down. Someone brought up, and that's James Milner because sometimes when you want to watch, like, have a pint, you're, you're watching the football, and sometimes you only want to really talk about the football, and you can't really be bothered for like, shouting in your ear. I think he'd just sit there with Ribena and just watch the game. Yeah, uh, I like that. Uh, sometimes, sometimes that's what you want. But I'll stick with Robert Snodgrass. Graham said that was good, so I'm I'm going to stick with that. Very good, too. I like that. Like good. He he does spring up you. in my uh, my thoughts as well when thinking of this one. But I went for a couple of others instead. Graham, have you have you come to a conclusion yet? Me, well, I, I did have the player. I've just nervous to see him. But like, see, when I want to go out for a pint, a lot of the time. I want a good night out. I'm up there just you for do. a couple of pints. Yeah, I know this. And so for me, I want, who's going to give me the best night out? And recently there's been a good night out in Mykonos. For oh, no. oh no. <laughs> oh bit, no. It got a bit out of hand, but a bit out of hand. So, who cares about a bit out of hand? So, Harry <laughs> Maguire, come on down. <laughs> I was oh, so. Okay. I, d- I didn't think you were going to say him at first. I thought you were going to drop Foden or Greenwood. Yes, in the exactly. I <laughs> nah, I'm going to go with criminal Harry Maguire for this one. Fair he enough. Was just, he was just protecting his sister. There we go. But who, nice night out where you drink too much, get what? He get like a fifty thousand barbell or something ridiculous. Right he there. did. I can scrounge off that, and then we can beat other police together. <laughs> Two Icelandic women are a night in the jail. In Grimshaw's <laughs> 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 Only drinking Carlin on that night out. There. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like that. I like that a lot. As for me, I went with Danny Ings. Because I, j- I just think he's a, very, he's a very decent bloke. I know he does a lot for kids with disabilities out with football. And he's got his own charity set up. So I think it'd just be quite cool to sit down, have a, have a couple of pints with him, hear a few of his stories. That says a lot about me and Graham. <laughs> we went we for want, a laugh. And just want, just want a good time, we want a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, th- well, I think Rashford Danny, might Danny bring Lingard along. Rashford eggs are I, No, that's like bringing your... Not me, that's like going on a night and bringing your uncle who thinks he's still young. Actually, Rashford's good pals with Dave as well. Oh, yeah, but you'll bring one or the other. You take 50 50 risk with that one. He's either going to bring Dave. Would you take the risk of getting Dave over Lingard? I don't know. I don't think I would so take the risk. I don't really think there's a risk there, to be fair. You take the, you take the risk. Strewn sitting at the door and just sees Lingard Millie rocking through it and then instantly decides to go home. Because I know I, I would. Yeah, same here. Uh, right, Cameron, I'll start with you for this one next because we'll shift the question across to the managers in the Premier League. So, who'd be the first manager you'd text for a few pints down the local? Oh, see, I went, I did. I went really boring, but I was hoping you'd come at me last. I did put um, 
Jurgen Klopp because I think why not you know what I mean he's just he has everything you want for a yeah. drinking partner mm-hmm. but I don't know maybe if I was to go a little bit different maybe I don't know, I feel like people like Sean Dyche Slavin Bilic they'd maybe have some good stories to tell mm-hmm. so uh, no you know I'll, like, I'll let you guys go elsewhere I'll stick with Jurgen Klopp I'll be bored in here obvious answer um, but there's a few good managers out there so Graham what about yourself nah I'm not I'm not picking anyone I'm picking Jurgen Klopp too Enough, just yeah. for me, he's the obvious choice. Yeah. See, if you get a couple of pints in Jurgen Klopp, you're not. Sp- you buy the first pint, he's spending the rest of the night on this. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, yeah. Who, who, just like sitting at the table and all of a sudden 10 Jager bombs turn up and who bought that? And he's, he's just got his hand <laughs> on his face. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I mean, he's got his beer commercial, he can play his own beer supply, get his own keg in. That's true. I just think the video of him almost falling off the top of the bus after the Champions <laughs> League <laughs> beer in hand. I just absolutely got himself. I think afters at Jurgen Klopp's house would be fantastic too. Oh, I'd be, it'd be Chaos, wouldn't yeah. it? I mean, oh, you just you, you get topped. some absolute tunes. He'll be singing his lungs. I don't know if you everyone saw those dance moves after there. Oh yeah, one yeah, yeah. as well. Uh-huh. I just think he's the perfect night out. Yeah, absolutely. That 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 that's the dream. That, the dream is to get a night out with Jurgen Klopp. That is what <laughs> that is what we can. I I have to say I did have him in my uh, notes as well, just as uh, the kind of clear th- winner. And I do agree that you probably would be the best, but I've gone for someone. I'll, I'll go for one of my other options when I get to it. But Struan, what about you? Well, I, I'd also have Klopp written down. I think he's the easy candidate. He's, he's the number one choice. Um, the dream, I think, for me would to have a pint with Alex Ferguson. And so I thought, well, what's the next best? <laughs> is it David Moyes? <laughs> <laughs> is it is it perhaps Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? Maybe I've gone for Carlo Ancelotti. An oh, old yeah. man with years of experience in the game. I reckon <clears> you'd order in pints. He'd come with a, a nice glass of red wine or something. I was a bit like saying, you're not yeah. getting yeah. a pint with you're sitting drinking wine. Just <laughs> chat, I think it'd be a nice, nice relaxing. Yeah. Nice, That's a classy evening. That's a, really a classy, classy evening. evening. If, yeah. if I'm being serious, though, Jurgen Klopp is the, is the answer. Yeah. But Ancelotti would be my, would be my fallback. See, I, I, do, I do appreciate that. I've gone for Jose Mourinho. Because I, I think it would be chaotic, but not in the same way as it would be with Jurgen Klopp. I ordered three rounds. You ordered. Two I, I think <laughs> you're you're scrapping a hundred percent. No, I think I think for the first few it would be good because I think he would he would loosen up. He would tell a few stories and that. But then then if it kept going, he, you would end up like debating with him constantly, like about everything to do with football. And I think that would just be a hilarious circumstance to be in debating football with Jose Mourinho. When you're ab- Jose Mourinho, sorry, uh, when you're absolutely <laughs> out, out, off your rocker, I think it would be. <laughs> it would be like his football management career, wouldn't it? It would start off a nice night, and then as it goes on, you just fall out, basically. <laughs> third pub, yeah. third third pub syndrome. It just all <laughs> goes to pan. Jose's the one that like, you put your dancer in the dance floor on high, and somebody comes up to you, like Jose's been kicked out again. Or, oh, <laughs> I've, I've heard he's got moves. I can't remember what it was about, but I've heard he's got moves. I think he would be. Up dancing so all night long, just put on put on a bit of reggaeton or something did, like that. He'd be did, going for it. Graham's previous comments about Guardiola put everybody off selecting him. Yeah, Guardiola would have one pint, then start drinking like fans. He'd get like the like salt that. and peppers and start doing tactics on the table. Yeah, he'd start arranging <laughs> the posters <laughs> and stuff. Like, no, <laughs> Gua- well, we'll say right now, Guardiola definitely eats uh, salt and shake crisps. Just, just oh, yeah. he, he strikes me as that person. Percent, yeah. Just horrific behaviour. Scott Parker would be a good night out. Aye. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's got, Aye. He's got, he's got, he's got a solid lad. 
And I think Bells, you could get Bells. Bells wouldn't do anything for you, but you just like just feeding drinking, you'd be an absolute madman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Moyes would be depressing. See, when like, I, would, I would want you to stop drinking or drink a, for the rest of your life. See, when you tell a dog you're going for a walk and they just start running around the, the bedroom, like, <laughs> running around the house, that's that's Bells when you give him a cup of vodka Red Bull. I think that's Chris Wilder <laughs> when you tell him you're going for a pint. How and Deitch would be in the same boat. I think get, getting the pain of them out would be some laugh. I don't think pint. I think if you tell them like you've got the darts board, I think that's yeah. They, they come out. Not that's not even a pint. Just you're going to the pub. Like yeah, they, just they would the just be there for yeah. the for the pub atmosphere more than anything else. Oh, I'm exactly. surprised no one said Brucey. I thought Brucey would be around second. Pick. I, I think Brucey's a bit. Brucey comes across gentle. I don't know. I think I think he would be a bit cautious with himself. Who, who would be the worst? I'm thinking maybe Graham Potter. I keep you a bit. I think Solskjaer. I just don't think he's, he'd have Potter. Like you know. You I know think Lampard. <laughs> <laughs> but that that is jet streams bordering on my dad could out drink your dad Tennessee. Yeah, I might hope Roy Hodgson made bad because I'd just be so worried about him the whole time. <laughs> That's very true. I had. You alright? Sit down, grand for a walk. <laughs> just spotted him on the way home. <laughs> you end up meeting your mates and they end up feeding them two pound pints the rest of the night and then he ends up with two. two <laughs> Would oh, Mikel Arteta no. be most likely to be ID'd? Yeah, yes. think so. Probably. This, this yeah. is the best question we've ever done. That this this, <laughs> this spawned so many other questions. <laughs> More so than players because you've got a, almost an unlimited pool to choose from. You've got twenty managers to pick from, and you can <laughs> give reasons for and. Well, Rogers is the, I think Rogers is the worst actually. Oh, Rogers would be bad. Like, oh, potentially. Yeah, possibly. Rogers would be like your stepdad. That's certainly be your pal. Like, it'd, it'd be so awkward the entire time. Like, so I, th- I think we've settled on there that Klopp's the best option, but I think the likes of Hod- Hodge- Hodgson's a no, uh, someone like Solskjaer's a no, Lampard might be a no, but Dyche and Wilder would still come across absolutely fantastically as a duo. I, th- I, th- I think you're in a group chat with them for the, for the weekends. Yeah. I, th- I think you'd, you'd start in the pub, then go down the track or something like that. Like, you end, end up going betting. <laughs> <laughs> betting your life savings end up in the casino you'd end Absolutely. up like you did last night in the casino exactly. <laughs> just losing yeah. all your money that's Absolutely. maybe where you want Guardiola and, and the money well yeah I suppose but he, he would have that many different strategies for the for the uh, roulettes and stuff <laughs> there would be no pulling back out once you'd, he gets in you'd, you'd bring Pep along to pay for the taxi I think that's we're getting that basically. Pep yeah. is you pay for taxi. I'll get first drink, and then you never get one. <laughs> we'll never get it. <laughs> right, we'll fi- we'll finish off today's show, and we'll bring it back to the fans for our final question of the day. Obviously, we believe the legendary fo- quote from our own Jockstein to be true, and that football is nothing without the fans. However, teams will start the new season as they ended the last in empty stadiums. The lack of supporters seems to almost nullify home advantage and makes almost every match a neutral affair. That being said, fans are almost definitely set to return, at least in some capacity, at some point during the season. Do we think that their return could bring about a resurgence for some teams? I'll come to Graham first for this one. Uh, not really, for me. I don't really think there's many teams that can actually appreciate it from it. Particularly because you've said that it's not going to be back in full capacity, maybe all season still. It'll be in limited capacity. Mm-hmm. And in limited capacity, it's going to feel pretty much like there's no atmosphere still. It's just so we can get fans underground and actually and feel like we're moving forward. It's not something that needs to happen. I think most of us have adapted to no fans. And 
I don't think that actually putting what three thousand, five thousand, ten thousand, maybe ten thousand fans becomes a bit of a difference. That it's mm-hmm. actually going to be much of a benefit to any team. I think if they got full capacity back by some miracle, which I just don't see, there are teams that would benefit, particularly Leeds and Sheffield United. But for the most part, I just don't see that there being much of a impact on it. No, I think I think I think uh, limited capacity is always going to pose some problems, but I think. I'll I'll make I'll make my I'll make my uh, beliefs known at the the end of this. Uh, Struan, what about yourself? Are you in the same mind? Yeah, I, th- I think I think big teams can actually benefit from not having fans. I think there's a little bit less pressure. You know, you, you make a mistake or something, you're not having seventy thousand play um, fans, you know, screaming at you or anything like that. But I'm going for Newcastle. They've always got really good support home and away. And I think when limited number of fans get back into stadiums, I don't know if any away fans are going to think, will we even bother making the trip to St James's Park if we have to walk a fair distance up? So I think I think they'll get a lot of home support. And I think I think they're just one of those teams who've got a really good following wherever they go. Mm-hmm. So I think they'll definitely benefit. Oh, obviously as well, like teams like Sheffield United as well. Yeah. Cameron, what about yourself? Uh, I was thinking more like um, from actually on the pitch. I think teams that are really quite aggressive teams pushing high up the pitch, I think they'll see... Uh, resurgence once the fans come back like your typical teams like I don't know Liverpool teams like that because um, it is you need you do need fans to sort of be behind you for you mm-hmm. to go that extra 1% and chase like just the output that Andy Robertson would have maybe won't be as great as last season without fans like he's the sort of player that thrives on like fans getting behind him without mm-hmm. any or with like I, d- I don't like the limited spectators I'd rather none or all basically I know they have to work their way back in but yeah. that's just my opinion um but yeah, I think teams that play a really aggressive kind of football, maybe um, Leeds especially there, Bielsa's team are really overworked. Um, they'll maybe struggle without the fans, but I don't think it's anything like you'll lose 20 points a season from it and no. you'll, you'll gain that back or anything, but slight differences, maybe one or two shock results um, like we saw towards the end of last season, but mm-hmm. uh, nothing too crazy for myself. No, I, I, do, I do like your point about you'd prefer just all fans back at the one time rather than phasing them back in. I think it's unfortunately going to have to be that way, exactly. just as they yeah. kind of get back to a bit more normality. I do think there is an element to it. I think, like as you said, Cameron, the more kind of aggressive, I think more physical teams, someone like a West Ham who's throwing bodies on the line, uh, all that that gets celebrated by fans. Like yeah, That encourages exactly. them, that lifts them a bit more, that what they're doing is good. Um, <clears throat> I, I don't know. I, th- I think it's a difficult one to call. I do think maybe a team like Newcastle, would definitely uh, bounce back once they get some fans in the door. Uh, obviously, St James's Park is fantastic when they're when they're full of they're fifty thousand strong. Uh, Jordy's just cheering on the team, so I think once that comes back, maybe Newcastle can build on what we're already kind of predicting to be a fairly decent season for them. So, I I, th- I think there are some good elements about it coming back, but it's going to be everyone coming back that makes a difference rather than phased returns. So that just about brings an end to this episode of our Premier League season preview. Thank you very much for listening. We've got new podcasts coming out every weekday this week, so be sure to subscribe to Energy Sport Podcast wherever you get yours to keep up to date with all that's coming out. Also, make sure to follow us over on Twitter at ENRG Sport for more fantastic sports content from Edinburgh, Napier's finest, sorry. Uh, Thank you very much to Graham, Struan and Cameron for joining me today. We'll be back tomorrow, but until then, I've been Jack Donnelly. This has been another podcast from Energy Sports. Thank you very much for listening and we will see you next time.